Welcome to Amateur All Tours, the podcast where every week we sit down and have a discussion about a movie. I'm your host, Mike, and joining me is my brother, Brian, and we would like to welcome you to Amateur All Tours. Hey guys, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike, and joining me as always... Hey guys, Brian. And we are here with our first retrospective, by my recommendation. So Brian and I, were starting to pull from our original list way back that we wrote right when we started this and i figured that almost that after almost three years of podcasting we are finally ready to tackle one of my favorite directors i can't really speak for brian but definitely mine no he's definitely up there and it's and it's it's fitting because his new film is being released the day after this recording but who is this director that you may be asking and why are we so hesitant to discuss this guy well that man is damien chazelle and brian like I said, I don't know about you, but I am super excited to be starting this retrospective. No, I, I totally am too. Um, J- Damien Chazelle has always been up there, at least in terms of like my top modern filmmakers, especially in terms of the breakout filmmakers. Like uh, Him and Barry Jenkins are definitely the top two uh, contemporary filmmakers alongside the mantle with you know Paul Thomas Anderson, Quentin Tarantino, and even Lars von Trier. Those guys are not my idols, but people that I look up to in film and will always watch whatever they got to put out. Yeah, and these guys are making some, I mean, Barry Jenkins and Chazelle, but, like, they're making heavy moves in cinema. And this is kind of what I want to get, and, and like you said, like, these idols, I actually, for maybe, like, a year and a half, the background of my laptop, I had, uh, I think it was, like, five or six directors that, and in the middle, I said filmmaking has no rules. And on there was, you know, George Romero, uh, Nicholas Winning Refn, Chazelle, Barry Jenkins, uh, David Lynch, and Tarantino. But, like, you know, T- Chazelle definitely made that list to always well, inspire me. Well, yeah, it's funny, actually. As you say that, the background of my lock screen on my phone is Chazelle directing someone, uh, directing Miles Teller at Whiplash at the family dinner scene. That's it's it's him working in front of the camera. So that's that's my background right now. Yeah. So it's a very I think as you can tell it's a very Chazelle is a very big inspiration for both Brian and I. But Brian, before we begin, I want to ask you what was your first introduction to Chazelle and his work? It was actually um Whiplash. I remember um you you'd seen it first and I remember me and you watched it with our mom and dad. And I mean, I think you had a better experience be- because of the fact that you didn't watch it with them. Because uh, as you, me and you know that they have a, they have a knack for kind of not ruining a movie experience, but they have to do their own little commentary, and it's kind of annoying at times, and it's fun at times too. But um, Whiplash is the kind of film, especially the ending, where you really I think you need to like introspectively watch it yourself if you're you know a fan of cinema. And I remember I mean I remember that was my first like foray into Chazelle. But I remember even then, all those, all the, all the variables taken into consideration, I still absolutely was blown away by the movie. And I don't remember really when I started watching the film we're about to talk about today. I think probably after La La Land, because I remember we saw La La Land, and that was definitely something. Like La La Land, uh, my opinion of it has lessened since I first saw it. But that's not a bad thing. But without, you know peeking showing too much of my hand before we talk about la la land eventually 
Um, that was another experience that was so momentous. I remember, like, there was a lot of things going on with me in school and, like, my girlfriend and me. And I remember me, you, and my girlfriend shared that movie-going experience together, and it was just, like, And we'll so get poignant. into that and, experience as well, because that's also a very interesting experience that we had that we'll share oh, that on that episode. I, but I guess just going off – still going off with the Giselle thing, like, I, I definitely I, – I hold him to a very high standard, and I, and I really do appreciate – and love his his films and i and i and i'm very excited for first man but that that to answer your question that was yeah and and again i think obviously our like my introduction was also whiplash but i think mine like like you said i probably had a better experience so like the setting the context so i was actually i saw it on a plane ride and i had heard about the film but i had like i i knew nothing about it um i remember we saw american sniper with dad that same like winter and it was right before i uh went back for winter training for my swim team and it was just you know we're just seeing a movie with our dad and we saw american sniper and i remember seeing specific it was like american sniper birdman which one day we'll talk about but and then whiplash and i'm like oh like what's what's whiplash i remember seeing the title and not really knowing now i remember this specifically because fast forward maybe around like uh four or five months i was actually on a plane going to Sicily through my school I was uh, I was able to have the opportunity to go to Sicily for a week and going there it's like a seven and a half hour trek and I wasn't sleeping on the plane I remember on the way back it was nine hours so I watched like so many movies and Whiplash actually wasn't the first movie that I was watching I actually started watching it because the woman next to me I had like the middle seat of like a four seat thing in the middle of the plane and I remember I forget what I was watching it's probably like Guardians of the Galaxy, and I remember the woman next to me. She was saying, "Like, oh, like, what are you watching?" I'm like, "Oh, I'm watching Guardians." And so I'm like, "What are you watching?" And she's like, "Whiplash." I'm like, "Oh, I've never seen that." It's on my queue, and she's like, "You have to see this like right away. It's such a good film." I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. I remember, actually, I remember seeing the tra or not the trailer, the um the poster for Whiplash, and um outside the uh, the movie theater that's near us, and I remember it was like a drum set and like a spiral like box thing like the design is weird but i remember seeing that that um that poster and i was like that looks like a really weird is it movie. The like, snare? what is that about is it the snare with the drumsticks and blood probably i mean no that's no 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 no, I can... no no i don't think it's the drumsticks and blood i remember it was like a drum set it was like black and purple oh okay I, maybe i'm huh. getting it wrong but it was just it's a weird design that it doesn't it doesn't actually tell you what the movie is about it's just like one of those abstract things but i remember seeing that probably when the movie was coming out and i was like oh that looks weird but i never saw it well, and so I remember sitting down and watching it, dude, I was, I, I don't know if I like could explain to you and the audience like the impact that Whiplash has had on my life in that I remember watching it for that first, first time. It was like every light was off. I was just like me and the TV and dude, it, I was completely fascinated with the film. Like every every single beat about the movie the music the acting the cinematography everything just like the performances everything just meshed and, together and we'll definitely get into that like that'll be our next movie and we'll definitely know, get into but we're that just, you know we're just in our um yeah, our yeah, introductions yeah. but like this is like the profound nature this had on me and i remember like 
every single moment of the movie, I was blown away. I was gripped. I, and I remember my one of my favorite climaxes to a film, which we'll get into when we get the whiplash, but the very, like, the last ten minutes. The last ten minutes, I was so into the movie. And, 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 uh... And so much so, like, I, I remember, like, being done on the way back, that nine-hour trek, I watched the movie again. When we landed, I bought the DVD, and I watched it, like, endlessly. I must have seen this movie at least 50 times, if not more. Uh, I I bought the soundtrack on iTunes. I would drive to work, Brian, and I would listen to Caravan and crank that shit up to, like, uh, the max on, on our, um, in our car. And I would literally, and I put the bass all the way up, and I would, li- and I would sit there as the car was vibrating violently. And from that's the saying drums. something, because you would always make it a point to turn off the bass whenever I played music. So yeah. that's saying something. And and I would just like sit there and let the car like literally vibrate and shake with me as I'm in it. And then I went, and then going back to school, this was my pump up uh, movie. I don't know why, uh, because we'll get into the themes of that movie. Um, but like, I guess it's just like this end scene of just like greatness, achieving greatness. And like this film, greatness, but this film like really resonates with me. I have the soundtrack on vinyl. It sounds absolutely amazing. And, and, and from then on, like, and then going into like, it just always stuck with me with Chazelle and his work always wanting to know. I remember when I, I was actually looking up like periodically when his next film was coming out. And I remember seeing like on, uh, either IMDb or like the first, what was it? Uh, Whatever article that was like a, like an art like, yeah. yeah like an article that was like oh like his new picture is going to be a, ja- a a jazz musical about like a struggling musician and this was like, that was before like Emma Stone was cast. I remember and you first like that. told me about that and I was like yo Brian like next year we're gonna have a new Chazelle movie and then we went we bought the tickets like opening day de- or like we saw it the night before and then we'll get into that experience as well. And I'm with you. I think my because this goes into how I, my feelings about Guy and Madeline, and there's going to be lots of parallel themes in his work. But I remember being like really liking the film, and I've told the story about La La Land, which we'll get to, about like our parents not liking it, blah blah blah. And that I think is a very poignant conversation to have now, especially like uh, what was it, a year after, or almost almost two years? Wow, almost two years after the release. So it's just you know I. I, I really love Giselle, even though like I can the, the I faults really that I too. have, and for anyone that's listening, that's listened to my conversation with Dana Buckler of How's This Movie podcast, and soon to be the Dana Dana Buckler show, they kind of know my initial thoughts on La La Land, but I I still love Giselle. I'm still super excited to see First Man, which not a bit not as excited as I was for La La Land. Which we'll, but no, for we'll different get in, reasons. Yeah, we'll get into that. But like, I, I love his work. I love hearing this man talk. I love w- listening to him talk about film and his inspirations and things. And yeah, I'm that, that's my introduction. And and the impact and profound um, way I, I view his work. And it, he means so much to me. He's easily one of my favorite directors, next to uh, like you know uh, Romero. Like this guy. Means and I and I'll have you know obviously among those lists of directors I mentioned earlier, but Romero and Chazelle are always gonna have a special place for me. And yeah, I'm super excited to start talking about him. Yep, yep. So, but we're not here to talk about Whiplash or La La Land. No, we're here to talk about his very first film, his uh, student thesis from Harvard, which I don't think a lot of people have really know about this film, or maybe they've heard about it but they never really seen it. Uh, I feel I mean, like I. 
I feel like if you're going to hear about it, you're going to hear about it post La La Land. Like, as in, you'll watch La La Land say, hey, what else has this guy done? And then you'll look him up and, and see this, you know? Yeah. So, you, would never, you would never find this of your own volition, I feel like. And that, or it's not going to come up on, like, Netflix or, or like, rent this oh, movie. Oh, definitely not. Like, you're going to have to find this movie. And what film is that? It's Guy and Madeline on a Park Bench, which was made, well, I guess released in 2009, um, which I guess we can get into the history of this film real quick. And, or from what I know of the production and the release of this film, Brian, what do you know about Guy and Madeline other than we, obviously what I mentioned, it was a student film, but like how uh, it came to be like released. I literally know, I literally know nothing about it. Okay. So from what I understand that he made this film as his student thesis at Harvard. Now I've been part of student thesis and stuff like that, like helping out and you know, and I've seen student thesis and most of the time they're not good. Like it's literally just you, you typically write I've a been, paper yeah. about it. Yeah, like you've I've, been part I've of been, them. I, I acted in one and it was awful. Well and and, no, and that's kind of the point. Because in case the in case the guy who made this is listening to it, it wasn't awful, but it was okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but um but so and I think that's like kind of something important to remember. But so anyway, he made the film. It's obviously as a student film, it's really something special. Like if I saw this I'd be like, wow, like this guy's going someplace. Um, I, as and I'm hoping that the actors in this film are like, wow, like we saw this coming. But I think he was pretty, from what I understand in the Reddit interviews, he was like pretty humble about it. Like he's like, oh yeah, like I released it, and people are probably like, yeah, this is really good. You should submit this to film festivals. And I think he submitted it to what is it, Tribeca and AF or yeah, AFI, and it blew up at, on the indie circuit and. People were like, you know, raving that this is like something radically new, which it it like kind of is, which we'll we'll talk about that as well. But yeah, you know, we'll definitely all talk the about all that. the reviews Why? that I've been reading are, you know, this is something very spectacular. It's something like very new. It's indie, so it suffers from the same problems that indie film, the indie films and low budget films tend so, to do. But it's very ambitious. Yeah. So the way I equate it is that, yeah, it is something spectacular, but. Not in the sense that I think they're praising it for, and I've written this in my notes, and we'll definitely talk about it more in depth in a second, is that there are nuggets of brilliance that, yes. will, that, that, will, that will be the reason why Chazelle won Best Director at 32, the youngest director, however old he was when he won that. There are nuggets of the director that he will be. Is this movie spectacular? We'll find out throughout the course of this episode, but... I think the me person, the reason why they're saying that is because, yeah, there are brilliant moments in this film, but, you know. And, and like, I, I don't, I didn't really see the dates of these things, but, like, I saw, like, the roundtable discussion with the directors, and it was Barry Jenkins and um, Damien Chazelle. I guess this was right before the Oscars, and I remember Barry Jenkins and Chazelle, it, it's funny, like, also knowing the history, so they were talking to each other about, like, yo, your first film was super... In, like inspiring because of like the subject matter and they and, and and it's funny you mentioned Barry Jenkins because they're very similar in that they started on the indie circuit they gained um, traction from the indie circuit and then they both are and then and then like they make their this these great films and then they lead up to you know last year's Oscar they both were nominated for how old is Barry Jenkins Brian uh no idea Okay. Well, I would anyway, guess, like I would guess like maybe 35. I mean, they're both young, especially for the film world, and so 
they're both nominated for best director and both films both of their films are nominated for best picture among other things he's 38 but, by the way okay it's so, i mean they're still relatively young and and so and then you know we get that whole debacle of you know best director for giselle and then for the whole best 20 seconds best picture but then you know moonlight gets it but i'm glad i, I think moonlight was the better film uh, but... i do too i do too but anyway and so it's funny just hearing like hearing them like you know talk together and bring up but they they were like all the directors were praising guy and madeline and all these interviews or not interviews reviews were kind of all hitting the same point like it's all like dazzling it's a spectacular and i and i wish i don't know if this happened at post whiplash just like wow this guy's really great and we're just gonna like and his first film is also very good it's 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 and it's exceptional in some aspects especially ambition i think it's exceptional in its ambition but i feel like a lot of this praise is happening post whiplash or everyone's jumping on the bandwagon just being like oh yeah we called that this guy was going to be great from the beginning so and we'll get and it i have a lot of mixed feelings but for this review we're going to try and leave all of his future achievements at the door and we're going to recognize the good but also recognize the bad student film and that is self-evident we're gonna have the good the bad and the ugly for this one and and i also before we get into it i want to just say guys the reason this film or not this film that this episode in retrospective is start is starting late is all my fault it's entirely my fault i'm gonna take um the blame for that because it's not because i didn't want to watch whiplash and it's not because i didn't want to watch la la land it's because i didn't want to watch this film i was just literally putting this off for so long and brian like when did you watch these films and have your notes um i probably watched these in like august honestly so you've been ready for a while (laughs) yeah and it's all my reference it is it is october 11th when we're recording this and and that i think might speak a little bit of like what i think of guy and madeline and i just i just really didn't want to return this movie i've seen this film three times and the first time was obviously the first time i watched it the second time was to help me get a, a better understanding of it, and I was like, "All right, I'm like done. Like I'll be, I will be okay if I don't watch this movie ever again." But then for this re- for this retrospective, like, well, we can't not do it, and yeah, you and gotta. It, and it took me so long, but I finally did. I remember I was sitting down, and I, I had a break from school, and I was like, "All right." I even like got halfway through it in August, and then I said, "I can't. Like, I don't want to finish well, this." Well, to be fair. And this is probably like the fifth time I've watched it, but like the only time that I've ever finished it. So like, yeah, I've gotten to the point where like I, I watch like I get to the point where I watch the scenes that I like the most, and then I kind of just stop. Literally, yeah, for this review when I finished in August, that was the first time I've ever sat down and watched all hour forty five of it or whatever, however long it is. So you're not the only one that was like okay, well, like, let me sit down and actually watch this. Yeah, well, let's let's get into why it took me so long to, to get back to this movie. So, I think we should start with the... Well, yeah, let's start with the general plot, because I was going to ask you about your your initial reaction. Well, actually, yeah, let's start there. What's your What was your initial reaction to Guy and Madeline when you first watched it? Like, what were you expecting at, when you got this film... And then, 
when you watched it that first time. I don't know if you watched trailers for it. I certainly no, did. No, I didn't. I didn't. Okay, so uh, literally, I was through. like, so well, the reason I bought it because I saw La La Land and I was like, whoa, okay, so this is this is like a pseudo musical, or at least it's marketed as a musical, and I just saw La La Land, so you know what? Like, I'm kind of a completionist in that way. I gotta watch this film, and I just bought it because, like, you know what? It's cool. Like Chiselle's, I I love Chiselle. I have the same thing for like Steve McQueen, like the 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 African American, not African, he's British, but the black director. I have all of his films on Canon. Like I like I like to collect those kind of DVDs. So, um, so I saw this film. I had no idea really what it was about, and I and I and I got like halfway through, and I was like, this is kind of I don't really like this movie. But again, like I said before, there are nuggets of the brilliance that will be Chazelle, and. So, I mean, and yeah, like I said, the only reason why I finished it was for this review, but... Yeah, so, and now I had a very similar, well, not, maybe not similar reaction. Like, I remember watching it, well, first I watched the trailer, and the trailer is very much marketed that this is going to be a musical. And it's it's even, the um, the trailer is, is, is showing a lot of, uh, I think it's... It's the boy in the park. It's like the last musical number, like the tap dancing, and they market this that the movie's gonna be like this. And all the reviews are like it's riveting. It's the best indie film of the year. It's it's spectacular. It's like you know like they're really like, uh, like jerking the chain of, or they're really you know they're just like splooging all over this film. Just like it's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. At like four stars, whatever. You get the point. And I was like, okay, like here we go. And I sit down, and. There, you know, I was like, when's the music gonna come in? Like, when is the mu- like, when is the musical aspect of- Like, because it's saying he wants to, um, he wants to rewrite the musical genre. And you could see his- You could see Chazelle's use and his inspirations of what he wants to do. But then, like, when it comes into, like, you know, and, and Justin Horowitz, a, amazing soundtrack, like, that's one of the things, like, and, and it just, and his music gets better as the films progress, but they start off pretty damn high, and so, you know, we start off the film with, well, I guess we can start talking about the film, too, but, and, because my impression is still kind of the same, so we start off with this big thing, this big number, um, very upbeat. I, I really, what I like about this is, you know, we're, we're starting to see, it's the text and the music, we're seeing whip pans, it's, it's, it's lighthearted. It's, and it's interesting to show the whole progression of this relationship in this perspective. And, and then, and it's also interesting because we get this whole relationship, they're like, you know, they're happy, whatever, and then Guy and Madeline break up in the park. And with the lingering shots and the character actions, and this is all told non-verbally. It's all told through the camera angles, the cinematography, and the acting, I guess. But mostly, the it's mostly the camera angles and camera angles and the lingering shots. And I, and that to me is like very interesting. In that you start the film, this like fast-forwarded version of this relationship, and then and and then you start the film with the ending, and then you know we get the one week earlier, and so the whole film is going between is, is is shifting perspective between Madeline and Guy and how they're dealing with this breakup and this relationship. So Madeline essentially starts off with like very upset, very 
they, they start off on two opposites. Madeline is very upset. She's trying to get over the breakup, and she ends, like, over it. And then Guy is the inverse. Like, he starts off very, like, oh, yeah, whatever. I He, he ended it because he broke up with another girl, which we'll get to that in, in, a, in a second. And he ends up, like, in the polar opposite. It's like, I made a horrible mistake. And I, I can see wanting to have that character study, but then this is the other problem that I have with the plot in Chazelle's and I'm trying like in his other works it's a lot of themes of sacrifice and what it sacrifice for your passion or what it means to be great what is the theme of this movie Brian because I can't it's exactly that it's not so much sacrifice but it's more of I don't so I don't so La La Land is more of sacrifice whiplash is more obsession and I feel like yeah well, no, there's a difference. I think there's a big difference between you sacrifice for your obsession and then you will... I mean, in Whiplash, you sacrifice for the obsession, but La La Land is more romantic, but Whiplash is the obsession. Well, what and I was so getting is, at and, was more just no, that, like, know, there's clear themes. No, I know what you're saying, and that is the theme for at least Guy, is obsession. Because... And, that w- and that's more of the grating things about him, is that whatever is happening... It always revolves around his music, and we'll get more into that eventually. But that I feel like for Guy, at least, that is the theme. For Madeline, um, it just kind of like going on my armchair opinion. I can't. I don't really know what her theme is. I guess moving on to big, like to something better. Um, and it, so, and this, and this kind of is why the the lack of a theme for Madeline is why the the term pseudo musical is kind of ambiguous and i don't really agree with it too much i feel like this film is a is a is a movie with musical numbers interjected into it um because from my understanding a musical traditional musicals and even contemporary well-executed contemporary musicals the songs are meant to display you know the inner machinations and inner thoughts of a character they're supposed to display some sort of you know, motive, ulterior motive of the character. And whenever I see something about Madeline's character, I can't really necessarily, uh, I guess, distinguish that, you know? Because yeah, it's I like, we go, we go through, like, the, the top number, the top songs that I have are um, a, night at, like, a Night in Cincinnati or whatever that song is called. Oh, yeah. And then the other one is A Boy in the Park. And, like, and and those two mu- actual traditional musical numbers aside, the other ones are kind of like subpar musical numbers. Well, also but it even- happened at dawn as well. But I see what you mean. Yeah, but I I, I can't necessarily pinpoint what ne- what Madeline's uh, I guess like motivations are besides the fact that she's just a, a girl who's just trying to you know get over heartbreak, get over heartbreak, and just kind of try and live her life the best she can. Well, it's funny because I saw the inverse. Like I saw Madeline's theme of like you know, moving on, you know, not forgetting the past, but also not, like, staying in it, but I had, like, I didn't really see much of Guy, like, you were mentioning, like, it all revolves around his music, but I just, I never really got that it's, like, his music was there, but it never was, like, a driving factor for him, I always just No, I thought, I thought it was totally, I thought it was just as one-dimensional as it sounds for Guy, is that... No, I just thought he he was an asshole that I didn't like. No, he's just an asshole who loves his, who's, who is in love with his music, but, like, and, and that's, and that's what Damien Chazelle nailed, he nailed in Whiplash, but not You mentioned that, and that's what I was hoping. I thought this would have been more interesting if it wasn't, like, he, 
instead of breaking up with Madeline to get with Elena, which oh my god, fucking yeah. hell. But like, hang on, we'll get to characters later. But like, instead of breaking up with Madeline to be with this stupid Elena, that he, it's it's we see the story play out. In, that we see in Whiplash of uh, Miles tells uh, Andrew and the girl that he his girlfriend that he breaks up with, and then I- instead of like focusing on like Andrew or like Guy in this case, we see you know him act the the opposite of him actually being like, wow, I made a mistake, like this isn't worth it because he never he doesn't break up with Madeline because of his music, he breaks up with Madeline because of a new fling that he's feeling like uh, well, he's, he's a horny dude. So as grating as Elena as a character is. I think she does drive home the point that Guy is just totally obsessed with music. So I think, honestly, her character does accentuate Guy's character in the sense that, like, literally he doesn't care about anyone else besides his music. So. I guess, but I never really got that, that he's, but then, like... But then, but, but then, but then, then that begs the question, like, so, um, Elena, is that her name? Yeah, the the, 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 the girl that guy cheats on Madeline with. So she's just she's just a tool to demonstrate something else. She's not really in like as but a character. She's not I that figured interesting. If he cared more about his music, it wouldn't have mattered that he was feeling well, empty with Elena. Well, you know he's I mean? also he's also a piece of shit. So it's like well, I know because but it's like, like he's, he's he has this so, like if music was all he cared about, he wouldn't need anyone. It'd be more interesting if he was just like yeah, I'm empty, but my music is fills that void. But like at the at the end of the film, he essentially, which I think is a stroke of brilliance, what what Chazelle does in his writing, is that at the very end of the film. Guy, and, and this is, you have a solid point, like, his music is, like, what revolves around, like, what gets him going. His apology is the ballad that he writes, essentially, like, but his again, apology. But again, it's about his music, like, and, and I think the reason he goes back to Madeline is because Madeline, I think I wrote this, was Madeline is the only one who pretends to give a shit about his music, you know what I, I mean? I didn't think that she gave a shit. Like, she pretended. I thought she legitimately gave a shit. Well, then, exactly. Like, that is the only... That is... that is, She is the she is the thing that kind of bolsters him. Because she's also like, Elena didn't seem to care. Or well, at least also it wasn't. Like, or she didn't know, you know? I think, and I think I that would, also... Well, that drives home the point of... Guy was teaching Madeline how to play the trumpet. See, like, I you would know, believe start playing and stuff more, like that, you know? I would believe that more, Brian, if there was multiple women that he was with like i think it would have been like if that was the point like madeline was the only one that gave a shit it would have been like an interesting if he broke up with elena to get with like another chick and then another chick and another chick and another chick and then they didn't give a shit about his music because here we're only seeing two like two agents we're seeing madeline and elena and elena obviously is just i despise her character she's like you said very grating and annoying and we'll get into that when we get to the like specifics of the characters, but if we saw more women that he is like in fleeting relationships with, and like none of them really care about his music, like Madeline, I could see that as like, well, she's the only one that likes my music. I want to go back to her because she essentially is, I guess, validating him, and and because he's he's playing in small clubs, and I'm sure that's you know the. Uh, Maybe he's having like an an existential crisis of like, well, what is like? I went to school for this. This is my career, but I'm playing in like, I'm playing for like in a back club, like making like chump change for music. It's kind of the idea of that they're going to explore more in La La Land, but, and again, this is like the pseudo stuff for like the it's it's set it's it's um planting the seeds 
for his future works. But like speaking of this film alone, like I, I don't know, I never really got that like guy's obsession was about his music. I just thought that he just was looking for more compassion. But that's where I said I don't I see Madeline as having more of a theme than Guy. But that's what? just my interpretation. I don't I totally think that Guy's obsession is with his music. So, but I think just... he's, yeah, and, uh, yeah, no, like, agree to disagree, like, this is the beauty of, like, I guess this is good for, I guess we can give the film this, like, we're having two separate interpretations of what we think he's trying to tell, and they're both valid, so, um, yeah, but yeah. I'm trying to think of, like, so well, I didn't really think this plot was super, like, interesting, no, I, I don't thought think... there was... I don't think we're really gonna get anywhere talking about the plot. Well, I was gonna—I was just gonna say like one of the last things. I was like, I found myself a lot of like questioning why I'm seeing this. Like, um, I'm I'm looking through my notes. Like, I, the one thing that I'm remembering is like when Guy's family visits. I guess, and I guess it's more just to be like, you know, like Elena's annoying, but. The, like his family comes and then like there's like stuff with his friend coming over and there's just like a lot of like nothing going on i think there's a lot of i feel like it's it's trying to like hit i i feel like this film is a lot of like filler and it's trying to hit the... actually i i wrote that a lot too i wrote a lot of filler uh in my notes of like, like this scene is that like uh, this b-roll city footage filler question mark question mark you know like or, like, right now, like, the Boston detective scene. Like, what was the fucking point of that scene? Wait, because the, it's, like... The, the Boston detective... Was that the old guy? Yeah. Well, I say Boston detective in quotations. But, like, this whole scene, I, I'm like, why is this here? Because at first it kind of reminds me of the scene in Nymphomaniac, Volume 2, with Uma Thurman, and, like, that yeah. whole scene. I was like, oh, this is super uncomfortable. But then it, like, gets like cringy as hell with 20 questions like, i mean what the fuck well, and then it's funny and like actually... and well, well you go first oh well, i was gonna say like so they're playing 20 questions and like what was great about the scene in nymphomaniac is like it's very uncomfortable and it's like you know i mean you would know this better than me i've seen the film only once but i got the scene from what i remember like uma thurman like is kind of like she understands everything that's going on and that makes the scene that much more uncomfortable. But then in this scene, like, the teenage daughter is, like, playing along with Elena. Elena's, like, has a fun time. Like, she's smiling. Like, this scene so, should have no smiling whatsoever. Well, it's funny that you actually brought up this scene because I have, like... So I wrote, like, literally my notes say, old guy being sleazy to Elena trying to pick her up, creepy, underline. And then it's, like, striking up a friendship. And then it's, like, he goes to his place with the kid, awkward. This is 20 questions, but then I remember this scene for Elena, at least as a character, it's showing how the genuine chemistry with the family. And so it actually, I actually thought it was a pretty nice scene, all things considered. Really? You know? I, I had a complete opposite reaction. I thought that she's like a psych, like a sociopath or something. Like, no, no, she no. She has I never... no, like, emotion or empathy. Like, I think she's a homewrecker. That's no, how I took this. I, I think it's because that. I hate Elena so much that I, like, don't see... Like, I, I honestly didn't like any scene that she was in. That's... Yeah, that's very true. I never really... Well, I mean, because... I don't think Chazelle's really trying to paint her in a, in, a, in a particularly flattering light. I mean, the first time we get introduced to her, she's the homewrecker of 
the Madeline are one of our, like, you know, the, the, the heroine, not the heroine, but, like, you know, the, the character that we're trying to latch on to. That and is like my Madeline, favorite character. Because Madeline is the most sympathetic character of anything. So, if anything, if you're going to watch this film, Madeline is the character that you are going to latch on to. Fuck guy. Well, yeah, and if anything, and I, I related to Madeline in many situations. Like, I feel like I've had a lot of relationships ended because of, like, someone like Elena that is only in it for... Like, I feel like relationships are, like, there's obviously, like, healthy relationships. There's, like, it's a give and, give and take. Like, most people have an equal say. And Elena, I feel like, is in there only for herself, and she doesn't give a shit. And, and that's, like, what makes it even more infuriating because, you know, Guy is trying, and Elena is just not giving anything. Um, you know, and, and that's, and I guess now we can get into the characters. Because that's pretty much yeah. all I had to say about, because there's a lot of filler. But since we're on the topic of Elena... Well, first, right off the bat, fuck Guy and fuck Elena. I hate both of these characters. Um, and I guess we could... Let's start with talking about, like, the first scene that they're introduced on the... Uh, what was it? The, the train, I believe? On, like, the metro or whatever, like, whatever, um, the subway. And I think that this scene is really good in that... In that it's all done non-verbally. All you're seeing is just close-ups of hands touching. They're getting subtly closer and closer. It's like flirtatious amongst uh, strangers. They're touching hands. They're they're making eye contact. And I, like, yeah, I think the scene is great. But with the characters, like, fuck both of them. Like, and especially fuck guy. Like, I get it. People have fleeting moments of flirtation with strangers. Like, this sh is shit happens. Like you, like you're, like you're, you know, you're walking down the street and you make eye contact with a pretty girl. You're at a bar and you're like, yeah, it's fleeting, but it's the key word is fleeting. But bro, like I, I immediately, like my note is bro, get the fuck out of here. Like I, I just like this immediately is not good for me and how I view guy. Like I really don't like him. Yeah, no, it de yeah, it definitely doesn't help that the first introduction uh, is him literally you know performing an act of cheating so yeah. it doesn't help and i don't really think because of that i don't think you're supposed to like guy which is very interesting for chazelle because it's like for someone who is who is a musician himself i think i feel like whiplash was more of a the first half was more of like a biography for him you know like it was a very personal place for him as someone who was a musician like you know, it, going, it's interesting. He, yeah, he, it's he interesting. He, he portrays he portrays the musician as as the as the antagonist. And I'm sure he like he knows a lot of musicians that were probably like that. I'm sure like I'm sure this is still like that's one another thing I like about Giselle is like his works feels very personal. Like he draws from life experiences, and but yeah. So with Guy or, or yeah, this whole scene. But like I want to kind of like we'll talk with Elena then Guy, and. Oh, man, I just, like, hate this woman, like, the whole time, like, uh, I mean, like, personal preference, I don't think she's that attractive to begin with, but then, like, she's an idiot, she doesn't know, like, there's the scene when his buddy comes over, I mentioned it earlier, and she, like, doesn't know how to work the stove, the, tur the boil water. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. I feel like she's, like, kind of flirting with the friend as well, like, in front of of in front of guy and because guys like well he's annoyed that she didn't even turn the fucking stove on but then uh like she's flirting with the dude and and um in front of him and then you know and then even later they go like we talked about like this detective sleazy guy and then uh, and even even is going as far as like the two the two scenes that i remember 
specifically, well, other than what we just mentioned that I'm remembering now, is when they're showering together, Guy and uh, Elena, and he's like, oh, my family's coming over. And she, like, completely shuts down, which I thought was odd. And then, and it's funny, because, like, I've dated people like that, that you say something, and they make it about themselves, and they, like, shut down emotionally, and it's like, it's your fault. It's like, I'm just, I'm, and so there was that scene, and then the scene of, uh, like, the like kind of the peak of when guys, like, yeah, forget this relationship, when he's practicing, and she's like, well, why, why are you up? And he's like, oh, I'm practicing, and then he writes her a ballad. He's like, oh, I've been writing something for you, like, what do you think? And this, and this bitch walks away and goes back to bed in the middle of his, of his playing, I'm like, that's completely rude, number one. And two, it's like, when he goes back in the room and, like, blares the trumpet at her, I'm like, yeah, like, fuck you. Yeah, you deserve that. And then, like, he goes back in the hall and starts playing, and she shuts the door on him. And that was when I was like, yeah, I I despise this character. I think she has, she lacks, she lacks, like, all sorts of, like, like connecting. She's all these, like, emotional connecting problems with people. I mean, like, the armchair, like, um psychologist but i just despise this character i don't like her in the slightest there's no redeeming qualities for her and yeah and i just hated her yeah no i didn't i did not like her either so so yeah so that's i guess out of the main characters that's one that i absolutely hated now let's get on to the second one that i absolutely hated guy and i guess here we can start talking about the musical stuff too um i guess more about the jazz centric stuff because madeline is the one that has the i guess what traditional musical, what you would think, like musical numbers, I would say. I don't know if you agree with that. Yeah. No, I do. Okay, so so, so let's talk about Guy. So as we said, fuck Guy. But, I mean, he's a little bit more interesting than Well, than his, mus- his, his musical number is more interesting, but, I mean, that's pretty much it in terms of him being more interesting. Well, yeah, because we already talked about like his like he is really like music centric around his I life. I think I think because he's so unlikable, that's why he's not that interesting. But yeah, and yeah, I, I don't know. I didn't like him. I thought again, like I've I, he had no sympathy for me at all. Like when he was like, "Man, I made a mistake." I was like, "Yeah, you did. Good. See, I'm glad you're like suffering." So this is so this is why this this is why this movie. Uh, so Giselle saw, I think he saw this film and what he did with Guy, and everything he did wrong about Guy, and he took all those bad traits and changed them, and put them into the good, and turned them into good traits, and put them into Miles Teller. Because at the end of the day, Miles Teller is a, he's not a victim of circumstance, but he's a victim of his own obsession, where you feel, so for me, personally, at the end of the movie, you feel like, this you you want him to su- succeed. You want him to strive and keep pushing, keep pushing, keep doing this. Be the best drummer in the world. And in the end, when you see him finally achieve this goal, this he climbs the mountain. You feel so energetic and you feel pumped that he did it. But then you actually step back and think that, oh my God, he did it. Now what are the implications? Which we'll get into in the in the review. But with Guy, there none of that is there. Absolutely none. Because of, I think throughout the thing the whole is, is movie, because like throughout the whole movie, I never once either sympathized or liked Guy. If anything, the reason why 
I've only seen this movie twice, and the reason it's taken you so long to actually get to this review is because of Guy. Yep. And, well, that's another thing, like, when you bring with, like, Andrew and Whiplash, like, at least his character, when he breaks up with that girl, he's like, I'm gonna be the best, and you are gonna hold me back, and I believe that. But even then... I'm sorry, but but that's how it is. And then you see his human. But he's human, and he even, even at the end of the movie, he tries to rekindle that relationship, and you feel bad for him when it doesn't happen. Because he's well, yeah, human. Because we've, you, we've seen his struggle, and it's all gone. At least at that point, we think it's all gone. And he's, you know, trying to cling back to that humanity that, you know, he has left. But but with Guy, he has none of this. There is no sacrifice. There is no struggle. There's no, you know, we're not. I'm not asking for him being, like, beat by his by anyone like i'm not asking him to suffer but i'm asking him to sacrifice something and he I'm doesn't even all, like all he, i ask is guys not to be an asshole and that's it it's not even the not be an asshole because like andrew's an asshole but like yeah but he it, is, but, he's but, sa- he's but he's no he's an asshole but he's like he's sacrificing a lot and he's going through the ringer where guy i feel like is like the rich boy that's just like like the entitled rich boy of like what why is thing why are like why are things not working out for me that's how i view guy and but i I don't know i just just nothing nothing he does i like like you said i don't sympathize with him in any way shape or form which is and which i think is the the ultimate detriment of the film which in, in any film because when you have a person so fundamentally unlikable that it's like it's so hard to get into the film, you know? Yeah, because he is he has half the screen time that Madeline does. Because because Madeline is the saving grace of this film. For but me. it's not. But it's not but... even the fact that he has half the screen time. It's the fact that what he does when he's on the screen is so, that you just don't like him. And I don't care. Yeah, and I don't right. even care that I don't like him. You know, like he could he could be the best trumpet player in the world. I don't care. If I don't like him, yeah. So or or let's... I can or I can like or I can like love to not like him. There are characters like that who do that, but he is just not like that. There's nothing special yeah. about him to even grant him to that status. So yeah. So I don't know. I didn't like this character, but let's talk about like his mute. Like so, were you saying the best musical number is "Love in the Fall"? No, no, no. So okay, so this I guess because I want to talk about love in the film. No, no, no. So yeah, so we'll jump into. So I had three things I want to talk about: the characters, which you already just did, the musical numbers, and then the cinematography. So now we're on the the musicals. So my first. So but let me before we do that, I just want to say because we haven't talked about Madeline yet. Let's talk about guys' numbers because I think guys' numbers are completely different than Madeline. So we'll so let's talk about guys. Okay, so we'll 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 interchange it. Okay. Um. So, Love in the Fall, was that Madeline who sang that? No, Love in the Fall is the the guy with the beard. The guy that looks like uh, the interpreter from Saving Private Ryan with the ponytail. Oh, oh, I thought that was like, I left my heart in Cincinnati or something. No, I left my heart in Cincinnati. Oh, you're right. No, no, that's the, recur- that's the recurring theme. Um, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is that is the best musical number of the film. In my yeah. opinion. So I'm, yeah, I actually I have it in my notes. Most entertaining part of the music, uh, the movie, and my notes like I have it is like, this is just where like musicians get together and they play, and it's a long take, which is awesome. I love the long take, and it's tap dancing, and it's actual dan- it's actual dancing and actual singing and live. The live music enhances the magic of musicals, which is which is great here, and 
well, I, it's interesting. I say it works here until it doesn't, and that the girl doesn't really work for me. But it's oh, because the tap dancing girl. But it's because the guy, like the the male so lead, good. is so personable and so good. So, um, this is so. Well, so this is what I was thinking about more for the cinematography angle, but I'll mention it now. So I actually just watched the Criterion Collection had a had a Damien Chazelle interview where he talked about a movie called like Anos Amores or something. It's a French movie. I don't know what it's about. I've never seen it. But what he was accentuating was the fact that it's like it's like a pseudo documentary shooting style, but it's through a narrative. So they'll, they would shoot, they would shoot, and then it would kind of be like a improvised reaction to whatever was going on in the scene. So like during a scene, they would just kind of talk, and then like a phone would ring, or like a car would shoot by, like would drive by in the street, and they'd have to react to it. And and so that, and he said that was my first film. I got a lot of inspiration through that through Guy and Madeline, and I actually so so this scene particularly is like. Something that I actually that resonated with me when I was like, oh wow, that's actually very true because it's like, I feel like the only person that really was like, in on it was the drummer, the um, guy, and the two tap dancers, and everyone else. Chazelle was just like, okay, we're gonna film the scene, pretend you're like you're enjoying this, having fun, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, I could, I mean, that's how I would imagine like they would shoot that because like what I'm saying here is like. I was gonna ask you: Was this scene supposed to be like a musical segment in this, in the sense that it's like, because traditionally I would say musicals, like anything you can think of, like Gene Kelly or, or like Fred Astaire, like the music happens like sporadically and like fitting, but also, like it, it it's just there. That's what it's no, a big is, criticism. This is definitely that, like, this. People... Well, this and the restaurant number are the two are the two numbers that I think are the most musical numbers because of the fact that um, they do break the fourth wall. That's what musicals do. They break the fourth wall. They're so self-aware of themselves um, that this this musical this musical number is so entirely about that. It no it is so self-aware of what it is. That, you know, it's like, it, um, I remember I was watching a, uh, a video essay that is unfortunately taken down about Dancer in the Dark Word. That, um, musical numbers are supposed to be so self-aware that they are musicals, you know? Um, and then it's like, and and it is only, um, you know, shown in in those two numbers that I mentioned, this one and the other, and the uh, diner one, where everyone just kind of starts randomly breaking out in the song and dance, dancing, and it's not something out of the normal, you know well what i like about this scene is like it like you said it blends those two like it breaks the fourth wall but i also i'm sure you know this too like i can see this happening in real life um that too yeah and that like and like i don't know about you but like from my experience with like dancers and theater people like they do this shit like this happens like a song will come on and they'll like break out into like a choreographed uh thing and like they and they go with it. Like I've been at like parties or get-togethers where this is like this shit has happened, well, and it's kind of cool. To like go I'm not gonna parties. lie, this actually sounds pretty awesome. Well, I mean, you said you <laughs> my school doesn't isn't well. It's not like this level. Well, like, see, it's not I've like been there's to like parties. You've been to theater parties. They sound like they sound pretty cool in their own right. I, to a degree, but because the thing with me is like they think they're like this and they're not like it's <laughs> okay i i see what you're saying you know what i mean um 
Yeah. Like you know, okay. You, okay. How about this? You know, in Curious Case of Benjamin Button, when like all those dance, when all the dancers get together at the party and they're like dancing around and shit, and they're like, "Whoa, la la la!" It's like it's annoying. It's a lot like that. You know um, what I mean? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this, this honestly, this scene. If you're gonna watch this film, go on YouTube and look up this scene because this, in essence, is pretty much all you need to take from this movie. It is a five-minute sequence. And this is literally, when I was talking about the nuggets of Giselle, this is the nugget of Giselle. This five minutes of literally La La Land, where it's yeah. like whip pans, um, even the even the up Long close of the, of the trumpet bell, where it's like, and you pull out, and it's like dancing, and, and, and it's it's just fun. This is honestly, yeah. is, this, this like five minute sequence is the most energetic that this movie will get. And if you want to, if and if it's like if it's it's a, it's definitely a precursor, just like with the Paul Thomas Anderson like cigarettes and coffee, or even Heart Eight, it's like it's the precursor for what's to come. And it's yeah. like even and like, it, it's it's very apparent. So like honestly, I feel like D- Guy and Madeline is a is a subpar film, and it, but in its own right, it is good in the fact that you can see what is to come of yes. Chazelle's brilliance. And that's, like, the great thing about student films is they are learning experiences. Like, from from my short films, every time I make a new one, I always look back at um, the ones I've made that anyone can go see on our YouTube channel at Amateur All Tours. But I, I look at those, I'm like, okay, what's good about this? What doesn't work? What, what If I were to do this again, what would I improve? And then I take that and learn from it. And I'm always, like, when I'm always writing or shooting, like, another short or editing it, I always look at my past work to be like, okay... Not because I'm in love with it, if anything, quite the opposite. But it's, it's a, like, okay, it's, it's, how can uh, I learn? Yeah, it's a learning relationship. Even just like Linklater, Richard Linklater is like, I have made short films that I will never release to the public because they're just that awful. And it's like, that's how you learn. So, just like, just, and it's a, it's a similar process for me with my short films, but it, I'm a writer. So it's more of like how I write than your actual uh, cinematography standpoint. But. Yeah. Let me ask you, what about the last, uh, like, since I guess we're going to close up on the, the, the guy segment of this podcast, what did you uh, think about Guy's apology to Madeline? Oh, I hate it. So, di- so disingenuous. I, I literally wrote, even when he's trying to say sorry, it's about the goddamn music. It's not about Madeline. It's about him. It's about him playing the music. And it was, um, what, what, let me just, I'm just trying to look at my notes. Um, yeah, I literally wrote, it begs the question. Only with Madeline because she paid more attention to his music, and then it's like the movie ends after his song. You know, it, it, yeah. he can't he can't help but force his music on Madeline, even when he's trying to rekindle the love. It, it it's not it's not about their love. It's about Madeline taking like uh, it's about Madeline accepting his music and like listening to him. It's it's not about her. It's about him, and that's why I don't like him because even then it makes it about him. You know. Well, what I liked about because I liked the sequence, I did it. I'm with it was you. so annoying. <laughs> I don't like, I don't like guy doing this because I think it's a cheap shot. Because well, like I'm looking at the dialogue that I wrote down, um, like when they're like he they just happen to run in together, which annoys me because he's like stalking her, and, um, and so. Like, they meet up, they go back to someone's place, and or I forget whose place they go to. Probably Madeline's, because she's, like, moving. Oh, yeah, because he finds the uh, the vinyl CD, uh, or the, the, the vinyl. And 
and I remember I have this written as like, oh, she met a new guy in New York. She's moving to New York right away. And I love how like when he goes to go find her like landlord or like her friends, like the old the older couple. They're he's like, where's Madeline? Like, oh, there she's in New York. And then like the next scene. They, they go find Madeline, like, yeah, this guy was looking for you. We didn't tell him where you were, because he seems kind of weird, or he seems kind of creepy. And I'm like, yeah, f- yeah. fucking A. Yeah. But, like, and then and then he goes to say, like, oh, I got a gig. I'm, I'm ha- quote, I'm gonna hang out with some ladies after. And my, my note is, what a fucking tool. And, because I know guys that talk like that, and it's, it's stupid, but, and then... Um, would you like to hear my, my ballad? It won't take long. And Madeline's like very hesitant. Like, no, I don't want to. Like, I got, I got, I got stuff to do, but he plays it anyway. He's like, oh, it won't take long. And he just like busts out his, um, he, he busts out his trumpet. And it's very apparent that Madeline is over the breakup. She's accepted that, but she's not over the pain that it caused her. And I don't like the song, but, but what I do like about this segment is I love Chazelle's use of the close-ups, and it's unbreaking and intimate. And yeah, this is guys. This is guys' plea for forgiveness, which I think is extremely clever storytelling. And then you know, then the film ends here. And I'll ask you about your interpretation of the ending, because it seems like Chazelle likes these open-ended endings. Except maybe not so much with La La Land. I think that's pretty clear-cut. But with you know, Whiplash is very open-ended. This I think is also very open-ended. Um, but I I definitely like this segment because at first I was like wow it's I'm not gonna like this in the slightest but uh, as the scene went on I was like you know this is actually like pretty clever way to tell the story or the to tell this forgiveness it's fitting for the character of Guy but you know that's pretty much all I had to, uh, all I had to say about Guy like audience I absolutely despise this character so that's kind of all I had to say about Guy did you have any closing thoughts about Guy nope just that I don't like him. That's that's pretty much it, you know. Okay, but, so that's two of the three main characters, two of which we don't like. But now let's get to our final character, the the second title character of Madeline. Now I want to say right off the bat, I really enjoy the character of Madeline. Like you said earlier, we she is the character that the audience is sympathizes with the most and honestly likes the most. And I would hope so, because I don't want to hate all three characters of this film. So, but I, I really enjoy Madeline. So, Brian, what is your take on Madeline, how it was portrayed? Uh, and then we can get into her musical numbers, because I think her musical numbers are the I, not the most important, but I think they're like something really important to talk about. No, I think she is the, the, uh, the pure, the innocent character, obviously. Um, who is kind of just the victim of circumstance, and I think ultimately she is. I mean, you're all you're obviously rooting for her to to uh, to keep moving on. I honestly, I wish the the film focused more on Madeline rather than like Guy. I wish Guy wasn't. I wish he was just Madeline on a park bench. I wish Guy wasn't in the film at all. Um, I I feel like it, it, I feel like Guy is in the film just because of Chazelle's thesis of these past three films of music is the sacrifice. I wish, I wish he, I wish it was just Madeline. Like I said, I just wish it was just Madeline, um, and her struggle with, with reeling from the breakup of a douchebag guy who doesn't care anything else about music and doesn't care about her. Um, I feel like that's much, she, she is much more of an interesting character, um, than guy is. Um, no, I do too. And especially since one big thing is I, 
see myself well I saw myself as her like I've been in that situation you know as we all do at some point being heartbroken over some like some bitch or some douche that that you know you know they, they break your heart and, and like I've been there and then like you know coming to terms with that relationship and or coming to terms with the relationship and how it ended and then moving on with your life it's 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 a natural part of life that everyone has to go through at least once and 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 comes to terms with that and and so I saw myself a lot in this character and and yeah I just really liked her I liked I actually liked this actress's portrayal of Madeline is kind of like this meekish, quiet girl that is just kind of like going with things, and she's doing her own her her own stuff, her own style. Um, I also liked her that she actually had, you know, she had interest outside of whatever she liked to do. Like I I liked that she was trying to be interested in guys' work, trying to learn how to play the trumpet, and then you know we get. Our director cameo of Giselle teaching yeah. her how to play drums. Yeah, I was definitely gonna which, mention which that. Which I, which I really enjoyed that scene in the like in just the, the interactions between the two, but also, just, seeing Giselle play the drums, especially like knowing what Whiplash is, like I'm like oh like I wonder what he sounds like, and yeah he can still he can still shred on the drums, and that's awesome. Like it, it also gives him more credibility for the future, in my opinion. But, um. Oh yeah, I just really enjoyed this character, and it was honestly like a like a sight for sore eyes. I think is the saying. Whenever she came back on the screen, I was like, "Yes, thank you." And then she'd cut away. I'm like, "No, come back, please!" Like I I want to see you more than anyone. So yeah, I really I really enjoyed her character. I think that's all we can say about her really, because like I didn't really have any complaints about her, so I would just give her praise. So I think we should move on to her. I guess two main. Um, her two songs that she has and that's uh it happened at dawn and then a boy in the park yeah so let's start with it happened at dawn because she has a great voice it's a great song it's great yeah. music however i didn't like the way this scene was blocked and shot Ooh, is so boy in the park is when she's in, literally in the park right when she's singing yeah and she's walking yeah like throughout which, oh, let me let me try and find I didn't the notes mind on the that, movement. Yeah. My uh, well, will you find search your notes for it? What? Okay, this is what kind of bugs me about this is the constant cutting between the song, and it was. I mean, I can understand that's probably all part of uh, like shooting at different angles, and like he probably didn't have a. I don't know. I'm not even talking about permits or anything, but like he probably didn't have the equipment to like do things he wanted so, to. Yeah, and the location, but like I don't know. You could literally make anything. This was in like 2008, 2009. YouTube was was like you know emerging, but like you could and and he was at Harvard. Like and Brian, you, you, at your college, the the filmmaker that or the student filmmaker that you worked with, he you were telling me he had all this equipment, right? Like dollies and stuff. Oh right? yeah, I was jealous of everything he had. Yeah. So like what I'm saying, like the way I thought the shot would or the scene would have worked a little bit better because I was getting distracted by all the cutting, is if it was just one long continuous take, like classic Hollywood films, just using a dolly. Just she walks towards the dolly while he is panning away. And yeah. She's just you know singing. I because I counted how many cuts there were in the song. The song I actually have the the song on my iPod because I thought I have three songs from this um from this musical or this movie on my iPod. Um Love in the Fall, It Happened to Dawn and Boy in the Park. And 
but I counted, I can try and, I'm going to try and find how long the song actually is. I'm going to say like two and a half minutes or so. Yeah, it's um, not that long. Which is, yeah, that's kind of the point I'm getting at, is that within that amount of time, the, there are seven cuts, and it's and they're like pretty like spur, sporadic uh, cuts at that. And for that to happen in such a short amount of time, the song is, yeah, two two twenty four. So for that, for, for seven cuts to occur in such a short amount of time, I thought it was kind of jarring, and it kind of goes against this whole uh, so, this long shot, because he's has the long shots before. Yeah, so no, I don't know, so that was kind I'm, of so what my I wrote is, criticism. So for this song, I was like, is it a, is it Chazelle being a postmodern, you know, take on, on, on the modern musical, or, or, or the classic musical? Is this a postmodern twist? Kind of like what La La Land was. But I wrote... Like postmodern question mark, I'm more inclined, but I'm more inclined to think that Chazelle did this purely because he most likely had no money, time, or resources. I feel like the only reason it's like this is because of the the extenuating circumstances of making this film, and so it's like it. And, and I even wrote this like it's a good song, but it's not a strong musical song because it doesn't inspire anything like a musical would. You know, even the worst song in Singing in the Rain or the young girls of Rochford or, or whatever, they still inspire, you know? And this song is kind of just a song. Yeah, well, I don't... I, I, that's why I it's think more it's, of like so, the, it's, like there's it's no, so minimalist. Well, because, yeah, it, it, there's no choreography, there's no intricacies that go that are expected. It, it's literally just a girl singing, and it's just Madeline singing, and everyone is just kind of, like, oblivious to it. Well, that's why I think, like, the minimalist version of a song with the lyrics and the music it's jarring when put next to all these different cuts and different angles that's why i think the cinematography should have reflected the the song of just a simple yeah. dolly moving backwards Either that and if anything just been static like if anything i think well i don't know about static but i think because there has to be movement but i think that i think it may have been easier just to film like two takes of her just mouthing the words and then whatever but because this there there's no like dancing in this like you don't have to block it's things out it's walking, literally like yeah. walk in the line and like maybe sway side to side but like you gotta and like i'll move the camera and so i, I mean i think that's maybe just speaking to like ill experience like not really like knowing but i mean, I mean to, yeah to be fair i've never i, ne I have never or I, w I do not want to film a musical on an amateur budget, so... Oh, I would I would love to try. I've actually tried doing, like, just a side thing. Like, I've tried, but it's not that... I didn't... It never came to fruition because of, like, budgetary constraints. It came down to time, ultimately. Like, because it takes time to, you know, block out... I tried doing a dance number, like, filming it, and the problem wasn't filming it, or editing it, I knew exactly what I wanted and how I was going to do it. It was just finding time to sit down with a busy choreographer who was going to do the dancing to, and, and like this was in school when we were working on both working on undergrads. So it's like finding time to do that when she was free, when I was free, and it just like the schedule yeah, never worked that out. Was, yeah, that so, was also for me. I've had my illusions of grandeur of, uh, of filming a musical scene. I've had the music and everything, but I was like resources, time, effort to chore choreograph Filming, it. 
for all you filmmakers out there, like aspiring filmmakers or anyone that just wants to try, like I honestly think filming is the easy part. It's all the pre. Well, it's all it's well, yeah, it's all the planning. It's all about getting. It's all about figuring out what you're going to shoot. Because once you figure out what you're going to shoot, then shooting you got to shoot it. Like yeah, yeah you get you get problems with it, but like it's all and and I feel like even a little tangent side tangent here. I've watched a lot of behind the scenes footage and about. I would say about four, like thirty percent of the film, the finished product you see, goes into like thirty or forty or even fifty percent of it goes into the pre-production of storyboarding, planning, rehearsing, all that stuff. So no, like, and I, I can imagine even a musical, it's even harder, because it's just like you get the music done and you have to choreograph it if you want it to be good, blah blah blah. You get the set pieces, blah, so many different components because it's a musical have to go into it and we'll actually uh teasing more episodes to come we're going to get into that with a french musical that i'm going to recommend um yeah. of more of more of the the intricacies of what you have to do for a musical alone so yeah but that's kind of like you know that's what i was getting at that's like on, but honestly like that's my only gripe about this scene is just the cinematography because i love like justin horowitz like it's amazing like he's an amazing composer yeah his 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 lyrics i'm really glad, I'm his, really glad he won an oscar good for him yeah he's he's I, I can't wait to hear more of his work uh either with chiselle or just in general in hollywood like i can't wait to hear his beautiful work um, his jazzy this, stuff yeah 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 and the singing the the her voice was great and i love like the, what the theme of the song was getting at but you know i had the issue with cinematography but this is more like i think madeline is given those more like classic hollywood things but like this is again my and then let's get into boy in the park like the final number and this is my second favorite um because i think this is the most ambitious song of the whole film because well what song the boy in the park in the diner yeah 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 like it's it's what the movie is marketed around. <laughs> yeah, um, it is. It is because I I love I love the scene. I think it's the most ambitious part of the film because you know, and I have my own opinions of the editing. Like I, obviously, any director would probably do something different, and an editor would do something different. But regardless of that, overall, the scene is very fun. It's extremely well done. And, God, like, this is what the movie should have been. This is what I think the whole movie should have been, in my opinion. It's just, like, things like this. Because either like this or um, uh, Love in the Fall, where it's, it's like, breaking the fourth wall, but it's also, like, doing its own thing with it. Uh, like you said, that documentary-type like feeling. Like, I really... I, I, like, one of the things, for instance, I think it's quick, it's in the special features of the DVD, they have, like, some different edits of this scene, or, like, just, it's not the bulk of it, but, like, the side things. Like, there's a scene when, uh, like you mentioned with uh, Love in the Fall, when he does the close-up of the Trump in your face and then back, he does that with her a few times. Oh, he does? In the special features. Maybe, yeah. And I think it's... Oh, and it's okay. like, I, I don't know, like, it's still like, I, I for going into this, this viewing, I was like, oh man, I wish it was that. But then I actually watched it, I'm like, no, it still works. It's still like a long take, and it's just, you know, editing style. I think the scene still works without it. But, um, that's just my opinion. I think the alternative cuts are a little bit better. It's a little, in my opinion, more dynamic and fluid. But, you know, it's still fine. I, I really liked also, like, the effort is so much there. Even, like, superimposing the tap dancers, like, sound effects on the dancers. And that 
doesn't work sometimes because it's not like in sync and it's also weird when you see like sneakers and tap dancing noises but like the efforts there the idea is still perfect uh what i think what this is better than um it happened at dawn was there's less cutting and there's more movement with the camera which i think is awesome and this like i said this is the stuff that everyone is like calling quote unquote redefining slash modernizing the, the musical genre this is what i think should have been more and and then the tease what i think of la la land like the beginning of the film i think did this extremely well with la la land but then it like tapers off and it starts to be like what i don't like about guy and madeline with like inner like inner or uh, infrequent musicals in a musical mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. and and then another problem i have with this is like it's this scene is in the last 20 minutes of the film of a 90 minute movie this is the last this is in the yeah. last 20 minutes and that's what and that's what really makes me mad about this film or not mad but annoys me is that they're like, oh, it's like, I I mean, if I wasn't laying in my bed recording this, I would get up in the box and read you that it's like, this is like a genre-defining musical. Oh, this it's is like, not, it's a, this oh, is not, no, you know what? For everyone I listening, find it. this is not a musical. This is not a musical. It is it is a movie with songs Wait. interjected into it. I can see Mike on the Skype. Yeah, he yeah, dude, has I got the it box, right here. So read it. Yeah. A, a full-fledged song and dance tap and jazz musical. Nope. Damien Chazelle's Guy and Madeline on a Park Bench boldly recasts the 1940s MGM nope. musical <laughs> tradition in a gritty, vertile style, resulting in an exuberant celebration of romance and music, and one of the most critically acclaimed films of the year. Nope. Uh, I'm trying to think of... Oh, and then it's just like... Oh, actually, let me read this as well. Guy and Madeline have been dating for three months, but the excitement of first love has faded. When another woman catches Guy's eye, sparks fly, spelling the end of Guy and Madeline's romance. But when things don't don't work out quite as planned, Guy must decide whether to try to win Madeline back, even if it may be too late. Their story unfolds in a world of jazz and tap, featuring original music com- composed by Justin Horowitz and recorded by this orchestra. Which is weird that this makes it seem like it's Guy's story, and it's not. Yeah, it's just marketing. It's not opinion. the first time we've been fooled by marketing. I know, but like, it's I like, like I'm reading the back, and I'm misled, and then I see, and then I see the um, the trailer, and I'm also misled. So, I don't know. So I read that. So there's that. But you were saying about like the tap dance tap dancing jazz musical it recast the 1940s M- mgm yeah that's that's not true that yeah, is not true. like i can name 50 tap dancing mu- da- jazz musicals or whatever like off the top of my hand and guy madeline is not one of them it is just more marketing ploys whatever like and this and this this, is not, I, this is honestly not, i say this this is not a musical and I don't take this as this is like what Chazelle has been saying. Like this is like New York Times critics being like, "This is what this is," or like some person that the, honestly, Lawland came out, and then that review for, that you just read came out. Like, it, no way that review came out in 2011. I guarantee so, it. It was Chazelle yeah. won best director, the youngest best director. And then some pretentious film student watched this movie and was like, whoa, this is like revolutionary when it's not, you know, like it's not. I love Chazelle. Chazelle's I, we've already discussed this. Chazelle is, is an icon of mine. But this, the, the, I, you know, I'm going to tip my cards. It's not a good movie. 
you know. <laughs> Chazelle doesn't come out saying like which this is good is art, which is like, good. Like he he is not honestly. I am under the impression that he didn't even want to submit this to film festivals. I think from what I read, and I could be completely wrong, but what I thought and what I garnered from this was that he released the film, he got obviously an A. <laughs> I'm hoping an A on his thesis, at least for the film part. Oh, and he, well, whatever he can, he can throw the Oscar in that direction. And someone that said, face. and then and then people were saying you should release this, you should submit this to indie film. Well, you know what? In terms of an indie film, it's 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 not bad. Like this on a film circuit, I feel like this would do pretty well. Yeah, I do too. I've seen much worse movies that have garnered more praise than this. Yeah, and true. But so that's kind. Of, I think that's now we're kind of like toning down. Like we've set our problems with the, our problems with the film. We've our problems with the characters. Uh, we had our praises for when pra- we we give credit when credit is due. But Brian, I think we should start to close up because I think we're just going to repeat ourselves at this point. Yeah. Um. Let's go into our closing thoughts and recommendations. Brian, do you want to start us off on yeah. your closing thoughts of Guy Madeline? So out of ten, uh, honestly, is going to be my lowest review of about I'd say. Either a, a 4.5 out of 10. I think this film is... it's it, Okay, so the only reason you should really watch it is if you are a Damien Chazelle completionist and you want to see kind of the, the, the beginnings of where he started. Um, yeah, this is this is not really... Okay, so... God. So th- this is me coming at it from... I, I have not made a better film than Guy Madeline on a park bench. But I objectively can say that this is not a great film. And that, that is not me saying that Damien Chazelle is a bad director or a bad writer or a bad whatever. He is awesome. Like, I hold him up there, like I said in the beginning, with the, with the greats. And he will go down as one of the greats. But his first film, this film is not that great. And it is an admirable first try. But for what he is saying that he was trying to do with it, I ultimately think he did not deliver with it that he does later on in his career, which is totally fine. So to an average film goer and, and the litmus test is I would, if would I showed this to my girlfriend eventually, and I, <laughs> and, and I would never show this to my girlfriend because I the, really like that. <laughs> yeah. And, and there's no point. And, and you know, this Mike, cause like I showed her dancer in the dark, one of my favorite films and she cried, you know, so I feel like this is a pretty legitimate and not like not like t- no tear like falls. like ugly cry and we'll talk about dancer in the dark eventually but um <laughs> no like that that is the litmus test will I show it to my girlfriend and I, I wouldn't you know not not so this is a pretty weak not recommend uh no I wouldn't say weak but it's it's a, it's because like a week would be like a one or something. It'd be like a. I'm not. No, I meant like you're. It's like it's like. It, 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 I meant weak recommend as in like, I don't recommend it, but like it's like weak. Like like a strong not recommend would be a one. You know what I mean? Oh, oh no, no no no! I see what you're saying. No yeah, uh, it'd be a it'd be a yeah no not even a week. It would just be like if you're not wholeheartedly into Giselle, and you don't want to see his start, do not watch this film. That is literally the only reason why I watch this movie, you know. Okay. And if Giselle yeah, I, and Damien, if you're if you're ever listening to our podcast, I love oh my you. God. But we could we could only be so lucky. 
Oh my god, yeah, like there are there like I said, I keep saying there are nuggets of brilliance in this film and that's perfect. And now you took the training wheels off and you won a fucking Oscar. So if if good if, for if, you. if Damien Chazelle ever listens to this, just listen to Whiplash and like if you want some praise, holy shit. Oh yeah, we'll get the, there. the circle jerker is coming, so don't worry. Yeah, don't worry. <laughs> but yeah, no, I I liked your thoughts, Brian. So I um I, I agree with you on some of those points. Um I think that's a really great thing. Would you show your girlfriend this? Like that's a great litmus test and I think it's 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 like funny. my girlfriend I, I like or it. just the the like ethereal girlfriend. Like what Both. do you mean? Okay. Both. But um like yeah, would you show like for film buffs, would you show your significant other this? I think that's a very great litmus test because you want them to enjoy the films. Like nothing sucks more than when you show someone a film and they fucking hate it. Like because you know it takes time to watch films and you're like super pumped about it, and and like you're inviting them into your world and then they don't like it. Like nothing sucks more. Which we'll get into that <laughs> with yeah, La La Land. Actually, it's which funny. People... Well, you keep going and I'll and I'll go after you. Go. Okay. So anyway. My closing thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I might take a little bit more a different approach than you, Brian. I mean, yes, as a student film, this is great. Like, if I was a senior film major, communications major, I could only wish that I made a film like this. I only wish that the film, the um, the few student thesis films that I was a part of, were this good, because I can tell you they weren't. And if and if the people that I worked on are listening to this, I'm sorry, they weren't that good. Like, we're, like, four, at least four years removed from them. They weren't good. I'm sorry. But we know this. But I wish it, they were this good. So, like, any student filmmaker, like, I, I I guess I'll go into, like, the recommendation. I, me, myself, this is a very, like, neutral recommend. Like, it's I guess it's more on the weaker side. Because I think filmmakers should see this. Starting out filmmakers should see this. To be like, okay, this is where an the and the best director, the youngest best director winner started off here. And there are, like Brian's been saying, there are nuggets of absolute genius, but there are also some major flaws with the film. And I think that this is like an inspiring point to be like, because all artists are going to be like, my work is not good. And, and no matter how, like there's always everyone, no matter how bad you think your work is, there's always something good from it. I, am not a strong believer that like if you create something it's horrible there has to be one at least one good thing no matter how small so i think that everyone should see this film i'm also a big proponent of indie filmmaking i think lots of indie films should be made seen because it's an inspiring story like uh like chris foster's um the the first way back the first person we ever talked to the first guest his short film Yes, it has a lot of it has a lot of flaws, but it's an inspiring story, and he made a film, and I think people should see this. So it's a weak recommend. Um, my personal recommend, or like a rating of this film, is going to be a five out of ten. Um, but the, I, I always say this when I give a film a low rating, like it doesn't mean it's bad. Oh, uh, definitely, yeah. Like it's I personally like this is just my, like who am I? I'm just some dude with a podcast but like just because i gave this film a five out of ten doesn't mean it's like atrocious or terrible and because there's lots of good things about it but i also just found a lot of you know lots of filler i didn't like two of the three main characters 
And it's not even, like, it was just, like, pointlessly I didn't like them. I thought they were pointless characters. So, you know, it's not perfect, but, again, this is a good prelude to what is to come. So that's kind of where I'm at. It's a great student student thesis film. It's a great learning film. Good indie film. I think people should see it as an indie film. But also, I think another problem is I went in with the expectations of Whiplash and La La Land. Oh, yeah. And this film is totally. not... And this film is Which, not either. Well, those. to be fair, you will never watch this movie. Like, this will not be the first Damien Chazelle movie you will ever watch. You know? You will watch this film with either La La Land or uh, Whiplash or First Man in your head. You will never watch yeah. this film on your own volition, you know? Yeah, which I guess is the detriment to the film itself, but, like, that's just kind of how things Nah, it's a student be. thesis. Like, that's just how it goes. This, yeah, this it film was seen, not but... meant to be watched like that. So. Yeah, so that that's my closing thoughts. Like, you know, 5 out of 10, weak, recommend, but yeah. lots well, of good things to come. Yeah. So, Brian, what were you going to say? Well, so right as we end, actually, I think we, we brought a new um, a new uh, gauging system for the film goer. So oh, it's like me yeah, and okay. you, and then would my girlfriend, Leanna, watch this? Like, okay. I, I kind of like that. I think I kind of want to start introducing that, if that's okay with okay. you. That's fine. Like, like, that'll, like that'll that'll would, be my perspective. Would we show would we show our girlfriends this? Yeah, exactly. Okay, I like that. It's a good new You know, <clears throat> like it's like a neutral non cinephile perspective for it. So, yeah, I like that. I I I really like that, Brian. That's a good idea. So, all right, guys. I mean, that's all we have to say about Guy and Madeline. Uh we, you know, had an extensive conversation, but but this is kind of, like, again, this is the prelude. This, this is the film that I feel like was we were obligated to talk about. Now, if you if you look ba- if you listen back to our second episode, Dawn of the Dead, I, or maybe even the pilot episode, Please I was don't. talking those about... Those episodes are awful, but... <laughs> well, you know, but, I, but in those episodes, I talked about my, like, top five films. And Dawn of the Dead was number one in Whiplash is number two so that's going to be very telling of what i think of the film and what i'm going to rec- like how i'm going to rec- rate it and recommend it but it's rightly so and so next week guys we're getting into my second favorite film of all time so this is the prelude to some awesome and great things so guys once again thank you for listening to this episode of amateur Autors. you can find us on twitter at Autors pod and please email us with any questions this is all going to be in the closing stuff but you can find us at the amateur tours podcast at gmail.com so yes guys please give us a follow give us the like uh rating on itunes and any everything counts we just want to we really want to hear from you guys but on that note tune in the next uh next episode where we'll talk about damien giselle's whiplash and we'll continue this uh this retrospective so thank you for listening and see you next time thank you for listening to this episode of amateur tours Cover design was created by Sarah Jacobs. You can find more of her work at her own website, Digital Adventures. The opening theme, Dreams, is composed by Joaquin Carid. This composition was found using a Creative Commons search. As a small plug, go check out both Sarah and Joaquin's work. They're really great and deserve the attention. If you want to drop us a line, which we full-heartedly support, please feel free to contact us at our email, theamateurautorspodcast at gmail.com. Remember, that is one word. You can also find us at Twitter at Amateur Autors Pod. Once again, thank you for supporting the show. Stay tuned for more episodes, and thank you once again.